This podcast is intended for advisors and staff at the cooperators. The views and opinions expressed are those of the subjects and do not necessarily reflect the official position of the cooperators. You are listening to an Advisor Network podcast where your fellow advisors share tips, stories, and lessons learned. Waterloo, Ontario is home to Jeff Lyle, an advisor who has had great success with his commercial business. In past lives, Jeff was an LIR, a claims adjuster, and a special investigator. As a new advisor, Jeff used both work and personal experiences, knowledge, and connections to develop relationships to build his business. There's a huge advantage when you can transfer passion or previous experience in a specific industry or field of business and relay that into the networks that you're trying to penetrate. So I found it very beneficial to focus first and early in my career on areas that I was familiar with. When you're first getting started, you tend to think about all the different opportunities out there and you maybe think of being more product driven or more driven based on what you learned in training rather than what really makes sense to you first. Being able to build off of knowledge and and understanding of businesses that you've already worked in, uh, already been a part of, or have a family member or friend that's a part of, sometimes gives you that competitive edge when you reach out to those types of business and business owners. For example, I grew up working in a banquet hall. My family uh, owned a banquet hall. We were very passionate about it. We were proud, although we also were faced with many challenges as far as risk management, finances, uh, marketing, uh, and, and all those sort of things that come with owning your own business, the cost of doing business. Uh, Although I wasn't an owner, I was uh, very much an instrumental part of um, making sure that clients were okay and and, uh, that things were running smoothly. So kind of taking that past and history uh, with me and then when approaching, say, a restaurant owner or um, a group of individuals working in that industry, I was able to provide them with a feeling that I understood what they were going through and what, what sort of needs they had cost management, cost control in those sort of hospitality and restaurant industries is is crucial to survival. And uh, you'll notice quite early that they're very price driven. Um, So just developing that relationship to not, you know, be focused on just price matching and and so on, but to really be able to speak to them and understand and identify some of the gaps they might have and identify where you can fulfill those gaps uh, helps overcome just the cost comparison that you might run into in in, in industries that are uh, very volatile, so to speak. How did your previous roles with the cooperators help you build relationships as a new advisor? I was a special investigator for many years, and uh, that gave me an opportunity to be a liaison between cooperators, uh, the insurance industry rather, and law enforcement agencies. You know, you have to build credibility with these law enforcement agencies, obviously, There's a high standard of privacy and confidentiality that needs to be in place. And what I'm getting at by that is that you're being trusted when you're providing each other information. When I became an advisor, I built off those relationships and I was able to take that credibility that I gained when I was working with those agencies and move it into ensuring most of the police associations, which are the the unions across Ontario. So when I was, um, able to build off of those pre-existing relationships and, and then say, hey, I can 
come to you now as a service provider, it was very beneficial that I had already built that credibility with them. So don't cut yourself short, uh, even in the beginning. Um, you might not have all the knowledge and experience, but you'll know where to find it. And 99% of this business is the relationship that you build uh, in those initial prospect meetings or discussions. So bringing up something that you know you're familiar with and finding a commonality between you and that prospect is, is always uh, the most beneficial way to get started. Jeff, what if a new advisor doesn't have those previous uh, experiences or connections? Then what? Uh, building off of the strengths and experiences of people that are close to me has also been crucial. Uh, for example, I don't have any experience in cosmetics or medical aesthetics. However, now I'm looked at in the industry as being one of the most resourceful advisors when it comes to scale up and start up uh, medi spas and plastic surgery clinics and so on. And where I built that knowledge base was actually from uh, my partner who is a nurse and um, was getting into her business. And although it seemed like I wasn't listening a lot to a lot of the stories and a lot of the information, I was. I, I somehow started seeing that, wait a minute, this stuff is interesting. There is opportunity there. And obviously being her cheerleader and coaching on her business, I then gained more knowledge about the industry itself. I wouldn't call myself a technical expert by any means of medicine, but I have a stronger understanding than most of my buddies do when it comes to uh, something like cosmetic injections. Building off of being a support system for her and growing her business and, and gathering that knowledge and, and intelligence of, of how that business works and what the risks are and exposures. And again, the, the gaps of support in that industry I saw an opportunity. And so I worked with, uh, with Federated actually and have built a relationship through them with an insurance provider that provides a real comprehensive program for them. That was very beneficial. And it started off by insuring a clinic that she worked out of to insuring her clinic to uh, then you know some of the service providers of those clinics, for example, laser equipment manufacturers and suppliers uh, who are selling and leasing the equipment to these practitioners or clinics, um, having a difficult time uh, delivering the product because the practitioners are having trouble getting appropriate insurance. And so being a reliable source resource for not only my clients, but then their service providers and building that kind of channel of, of referrals has been very beneficial. And again, it all started from learning from someone very close to me about their industry, something I didn't have any passion for, um, I'm now passionate about, uh, which is interesting. It's a long way from medical cosmetics, but I know you are passionate about sports. Was that something you were able to leverage? Uh, my history of coaching basketball and football, I met a lot of parents and those parents own businesses. One in particular uh, that comes to mind is probably one of my most valued clients and not just from a revenue standpoint, although he is probably my highest revenue paying client, the value that he provides is, is just an enormous amount of loyalty. And I really appreciate him putting the trust in me. And uh, what it is, is that I coached his daughter's basketball team eight years before I even became an advisor. And when I became an advisor, obviously I thought, okay, I got to reach out to everyone I know, right? And when it came to commercial, that was a bit more of a challenge because you didn't necessarily ask everyone you knew what they did for a living before you had the mentality of an advisor, right? 
now every time I meet someone, I'm asking them what they do, so they ask me what I do. But uh, back then, it really didn't uh, wasn't something that came top of mind. Fortunately for this client, I, I did know what he did for a living. I knew he was successful and uh, prospected him. It turns out he, uh, at the time, he just owned a few funeral homes, and now he owns about seven or eight and has become a very loyal client of mine. And um, I worked with cooperators in developing a kind of a funeral home program uh, that we uh, offered to him and other clients and other funeral homes that he obviously works with as well. They're, they're, they're a community themselves, just like the police associations. That just becomes a, a rolling referral source. So I got into that industry because I had a friend from way before I became an advisor that trusted me to train and mentor their children. And I built that network based on that relationship. If you're able to network and build uh, credibility within specific industries where the different businesses speak to each other and, and work with each other and share each other's resources, I mean, sky's the limit at that point, you know? Um, so that the funeral home business was another area that uh, I wouldn't have expected to grow my business in and uh, I'm very grateful for. What about net new clients, Jeff? What's your strategy for getting your foot in the door? That's the hardest part, I think, is how do you get your foot in the door without uh, being annoying, without being a nuisance, uh, without being look a, like, looking like a desperate salesperson? Everybody has a sense of pride and, and, and a fear of rejection. So what I always say is you're looking for that client to support your business, right? I mean, at the end of the day, they're going to be paying a premium. They're not going to be happy with the premium, uh, especially if it's a cooperator's premium <laughs> over the years, right? You get some increases, you get some some challenges. So don't, don't think that you're going to walk into a place and just sell people on, I'm going to save you some money here, right? We, we have to really be clear on our business proposition. That's more than just price matching. One of the ways that I always say uh, is important is show the client support before they've even given you support. What I mean by that is I won't insure a place that I wouldn't eat at, for example. I, I don't want to do business with a business that I wouldn't use their services. You know, maybe I don't need their services. I understand that. But if I did need them, would I buy from them? And then prove it, right? So show them that you're first there as a client. Assume that you're supporting your client before they become your client is kind of the way you could look at that. And they might not become your client on the first visit or the first time you order a coffee or uh, pick up your dry cleaning. Um, but the sooner you can get into a conversation, engagement with them, and you're not always going to meet the owner either. So, you know, you're, the way that you treat the frontline staff is, is crucial. What are all the different uh, businesses that I need supplies from? Are they local? I, am I able to somehow connect with those businesses face to face? You know, I, I just give you an example. I, I was looking for a dry cleaner. And so I tried out a lot of dry cleaners and I figured, okay, which one do I connect to the most? And of course, I was also looking at the quality. I got some expensive shirts, so I didn't want to take it somewhere and ended up with a kid's size small. So it's, it's a good um, underwriting tool as well. But you, you, you buy from the client before they become your client. And that way you can see their service. You can see uh, what type of person you might be dealing with. And they see what's in you. They're supporting me. I'm supporting them. And I think that goes a long way. 
And I actually ask maybe after the second or third visit, once they know that I have an agency down the street, right? I actually say to them, does your insurance advisor come in and get his dry cleaning done here all the time? And a lot of times it's no. They've never seen them in the store before until, they, except when they set up the insurance or when they drop the renewal off. It puts things in perspective for them. Any other tips in terms of things that you should keep in mind if you want to build a successful commercial book? One of the other uh, very important strategies when trying to develop your commercial book is to make sure, and I, I can't stress this enough, it might be one of, you know, I'd say top three for sure, is building alliances, I call them, with your underwriters. Those are your internal partners. The way that you do that first and foremost is build credibility. Uh, I remember being a new kid on the block, so to speak, and I did have the benefit of coming from having a LIR background and then a claims adjuster background. I worked in almost every claims department. I had a little, little bit of underwriting experience, uh, but that was all related to home and auto. I had never had any commercial underwriting experience or sales experience. I did have some claims experience, which was definitely transferable. Building credibility with your underwriter is crucial with all your internal partners. If you really think about what does an underwriter do in this day and age, the first thing anyone does is Google the client. Google is, it's got all the information, tons of information that the client may or may not tell you or disclose to you. I do this for two reasons. I, I, I do as much background checking, and maybe that's the old investigator hat on my head, but I do as much background checking on a client as I can before I even talk to the client. I mean, if I'm getting a referral or I'm going to prospect a client, I'm going to do all that background before I get there. So that's part of your target market R&D first. And I think that underwriters certainly appreciate that. And the sooner you're submitting applications with a lot of knowledge, and there's never too much, by the way, your submissions to underwriting, you can't give them too much of your knowledge because you're back and forth with underwriting takes up a lot of time. If the underwriter has less comfort in your knowledge of the client, then that decreases their comfort in the client and the client's business and their operation. So thinking like an underwriter is the way to do business. The other thing that I found was crucial, I wouldn't be in business right now without the Acacio Arudas of the world, the SLCs. All my SLCs in all lines of business, you know, uh, whether it's life, wealth, and what have you, but specifically commercial, now, Casio, you know, I call him my commercial specialist that I don't have to pay. <laughs> okay, he's not on my payroll, but I lean on this guy for everything, especially when I got started. And I should give a shout out to Phil Wang too, because when Acasio's not there, I mean, this is a team of wisdom, okay, that we just don't have, and this is what they specialize in. They also want to know that you're in it. You get out of them what you put in yourself, right? And I learned that very early. And I think that's why I was able to develop that relationship with them, is they know that I'm, I'm in this to be real about commercial. I'm not a dabbler. If you really wanna be serious about commercial, you wanna make sure you do everything you can within your reach before you go to these resources, whether they're SLC, a mentor, or an underwriter, right? Because that credibility, it helps you develop yourself. Even someone like me, who I consider myself an expert in commercial, I don't know all the answers. So uh, yeah, I, I just think that building your credibility by doing your own research and communication with your internal partners is also 
very important. Building those relationships, consider you know networking with a client and networking with underwriting is going hand in hand. Jeff, one of the things we haven't really talked about is traditional marketing. What's your approach there? So I actually studied marketing in school and, and business marketing. That was my main focus. And, you know, you learn a lot about how to advertise, how to market your business and so on. I really take a different approach on uh, where to spend my marketing dollars. Okay. I do not spend a dollar on something that I'm not physically involved in. Okay. If I'm going to donate money, that's different. But if I'm advertising, uh, I'm not buying flyers and pamphlets just to have them delivered by Canada Post. Uh, in my opinion, that's that's probably the most useless marketing tool you can do in this day and age. I'm also not going to spend money on social media and digital media that doesn't involve me or my agency directly. Where I find my investment goes the furthest is where I'm physically involved and engaged in, in those efforts. I do believe you got to spend money to make money. This is not a frugal statement by any means. I believe you got to invest in yourself, right? You're investing in your business and uh, creating an image and putting yourself out there is where you should be investing your funds when it comes to marketing yourself, right? You're not marketing a product, you're marketing yourself. So you need to be front and center of that. I will show up at golf tournaments and, and I will pay to attend events. I will be at AGM meetings. You know, I will fly there, I'll drive there, I'll take the train, whatever it takes to be there and be in front of all my potential clients or existing clients and, and uh, making those investments to be at those events and sponsor those events. So sponsoring is great, right? It doesn't always have to be a donation, but you're sponsoring something, attend it. Having, I, I see all the time, you know, you get these golf tournaments and you got the sign at the golf tournament and it says sponsored by, who cares? No, nobody's actually taking your number down off that sign because you sponsored hole eight. But if you're then at the dinner after the golf tournament, now people have, you know, they've connected the dots. I'm also a strong believer in 10 points of contact. You know, this is not a theory that I made up. I believe you got to touch people 10, 10 times. Most of it shouldn't be uh, marketing to them. Uh, and what I mean by marketing, like trying to sell them on something or trying to get them to call you um, by centering it to them. I mean, 10, 10 points of contact and using social media has been probably the best way that I could do that. But just showing my clients, for example, on Instagram and Facebook, I, I show clients that I'm at my client's restaurant. So, or I show my followers, I should say. So I'm at my friend's grand opening of his fast food uh, restaurant in Breslau. I got my arm around him. We're taking a picture. Congratulations. So happy for you. Um, we order lunch from our clients. So when we order lunch and it comes in, you know, a little Instagram photo of such and such restaurant saved the day. Visiting clients, places of business and taking pictures of them with them. Again, arm around them. It goes a long way. People like to see that. They connect with that, especially a business owner. A business owner is looking at what am I missing, right? I don't have a relationship like that with my advisor. Obviously, it boosts your popularity. I mean, you look like, hey, wait a minute. There's a lot of people in different industries that trust this person. Maybe I should give them a shot. The interesting thing is I don't think I started that intentionally. I truly wanted to be a cheerleader for my client. It goes back to the old buy from them first, right? Be their client before they become your client. I like their service. I like their, their product. 
uh, I want to support them, whether they're my client or not. And if they are my client, certainly I want to market them. So using my platforms and my followings to market my clients has a return that, that uh, is unmeasurable. For more tips from your fellow advisors, please subscribe to the Advisor Network podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for future podcasts, or just need someone to walk you through how to subscribe, please contact me at brad underscore scott at cooperators.ca.